0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.PurposeMCC.com. But I believe that God is saying, come back to the altar. I believe He's giving, He's renewing an altar call. And I said in that message, there were five aspects of the altar call that that I think that I want to reiterate this morning. Listen, in services like this, Holy Spirit's moving, some are catching it, some are not. Some could go on and on in this presence and just soak it in. Some are not really understanding what's going on and I understand that. So it's important that we try to catch what God is is wanting to do. Every time that we have a visitation or a move of the Spirit. God is doing something different. We have been so accustomed to the same old, same old that when God begins to change things up, we don't know how to deal with it. But I believe that this message this morning, and I don't mean to be a joy killer, but I want to tell you this morning that we are in a place that we have never been as a church, as a community, and as a nation. And I believe that we're moving into some things that we as a people have never witnessed before, both in the secular realm and also in the spiritual realm. My responsibility as a pastor is to prepare the bride of Christ To not only be effective on earth, but to be ready to meet him when he comes. So, honestly, I don't, I'm not moved by what people think of a service. I'm not moved whether somebody don't like it. Or whether somebody likes it. I'm not moved about that. I'm not moved because somebody gets uncomfortable. Because somebody steps out of the ordinary. And begins to worship God in the spirit. That doesn't move me. Because I recognize that the most important thing. Most important responsibility that I have. It's to present a platform for the Holy Ghost to come to speak to you, to move on your life, and to touch you, and to transform you. That's the most important thing. It's not about whether I run across the stage. It's not about whether somebody falls out in the spirit. It's not about whether we sit here and never say a word. But it is about... Holy Spirit coming and moving in your life. And yes, when Holy Spirit comes, He will make you uncomfortable. He will dig around your flower bed. Amen? But we talked about the altar call, the call to the altar. And the altar was a place of confession. A place where you come and confess your sins and find forgiveness. Let me me preface it with this. I made this statement and I want you to understand this. Where, Where you find broken altars in the Bible, everywhere that you read in your Bible where there is a broken altar or where there is the absence of an altar you will always find broken lives you will always find broken community you will always find sin and perversion <coughs> there are those that are sitting here this morning and and your life is in the condition that it's in this morning because there is an absence of an altar in your life. You might have had an experience with God. You might be the member of another church. You might have written and filled out a membership card at some other church. You might have been baptized years ago and all of that and joined a church. But your life is in a mess today because you thought that that membership card was going to make you all right. You thought that becoming a member of a church was going to make everything all right. But listen, and hear me good, ladies and gentlemen. The only thing that's going to change your life is that you build an altar in your life. Because the altar is and always, has always been the meeting place between man and God. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You can go from Genesis all the way through. The altar has always been the meeting place between God and man. So the altar is a place of confession. Confession leads to forgiveness. The altar is also a place of transformation. It is a place where you're transformed from the old to the new. The altar is a place of encounter with a living God. The altar is a place of communion with your fellow Christians that you join together around the altar and have communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then finally, the the altar is a place of commissioning. It's a place where the voice of God speaks and says, go. So why are we focusing on the altar? Because the altar is the place that when everything in your life goes wrong, The altar is the place that you can find hope and peace. Listen. So here's what I want to read this in Genesis 35 and verse 1. Genesis 35 verse 1, God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had, had, the rings that were in their ears. Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, or the oak tree that was near Shechem. So the Bible says that God spoke to Jacob And said, I want you to gather your family up, and I want you to go back to Bethel. So what is Bethel? What is the meaning of Bethel? The definition of Bethel is the house of God. But what did Bethel mean to Jacob? Bethel to Jacob meant a place where God appeared to him. It was a place where Jacob first experienced Almighty God. It was a place when Jacob left his father's house. And you know the story of Jacob. Jacob was a supplanter. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a thief. He was a cheater. He robbed his brother Esau of the blessing that was supposed to be his. He deceived his father after his mother uh, instigated it. So Jacob following his mother's uh, commands, deceived Isaac. Isaac, being old and blind, laid his hand on Jacob, thinking that it was I, uh, Esau. And Isaac bestowed the blessing upon Jacob's life. Jacob was, Jacob was a supplanter or, or a, a, a liar, a deceiver. And so he had to leave his father's house And run for his life because his brother Esau had threatened to kill him. Jacob was not a good person. He was not a choir boy. He was not a product of the Sunday school class. He was a deceiver. But yet in the middle of all of his deception, he left home and he got to this place and he laid down to sleep. The Bible says that Jacob dreamed a dream. And in this dream, he dreamed of a stairway, a ladder, reaching from heaven down to earth. And angels were ascending and descending from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven. Jacob was so moved by this experience that he had that when he woke up the next morning, he said, surely... God was in this place and I didn't even know it. And so he named the place Bethel, which means house of God. The other day, as I began to look at that, God spoke to me and he said, This. He said, I'm going to begin to raise up some Jacobs. No gender on that. He said, I'm going to begin to raise up some Jacobs that have been down the, the back roads and been down all the pig trails that have, that have done all the wrong things, that have done all the bad things, that have, that have deceived and lied and manipulated and, and done all of those things. God said, I am taking them to a place and I'm going to raise up some Jacobs. And God said, the ladder, Jacob's ladder. How many of you, when you were kids, you used to take the string and do the Jacob's ladder? That's where it came from in the story of of Jacob in Genesis. And God just began to speak to me, and he said, son, I want you to tell Jacob that the ladder is a tool. To reach things that previously had been unattainable. He said the ladder is a tool that I'm going to begin to give men and women to be able to get to the height that they previously have not been able to get to. There have been things that you've been looking up at and you said, I wish I could get there. But because you didn't have a ladder, you haven't been able to get to those heights. But God said, I'm going to give you a Jacob's ladder. And I'm going to give you the picture of the anointing that's coming down out of heaven and ascending back. He said, God God said, I am going to make a connection between heaven and earth. He said, I'm about to do some things where, and, and listen, God said, son, all hell might break loose around you. He said, but the ladder that I'm giving my people is going to represent my power that's going to come down to them. He said, and when they pray, it's going to go back up and I'm going to send it back down. He said, I'm giving you a tool that you can reach heaven. Here's the thing. God revealed himself to Jacob in such a powerful way that Jacob said, God, he he actually renamed the place and called it Bethel, the house of God and he said this he said god if you will bless me on my journey he said if you will bless me i'll come back to this place and i'll worship you here but let me tell you something it was such a powerful experience can you imagine the the glory of God coming down and going back up. But for years after that, Jacob, even though he was blessed of God, never returned to Bethel. Jacob went to Laban's house, God blessed him. He left Laban's house and he was wandering around in the wilderness. Had Jacob forgotten about Bethel? I think Jacob had become distracted with all the things around him. And because of the distraction, Bethel had slipped out of his mind. But I want to tell you something this morning. That it didn't slip out of God's mind. And because the mercy of God is so big. And the grace of God is so awesome. God said, I looked down and I saw Jacob wandering around out in the wilderness with the blessing of God following him. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, God spoke to me the other day and he said, my blessing is following a lot of people. He said, but there are very few people that are actually possessing the blessing of heaven. The blessing of God was following Jacob. Everything he touched turned to gold. Every animal he got reproduced hundredfold. This is what the Lord began to deal with me about. He said, Jacob was distracted, but here's what happened jacob's family began to fall apart the bible says that jacob's sons are that jacob's daughter dinah had a suitor some of y'all young folks don't know what a suitor is you think that's somebody that comes and dresses you up or something had a man from another city came on the quarter to make a long story short this man from another city didn't know the God of Jacob he laid with Dinah in other words he defiled Jacob's daughter Jacob's sons And their anger went and to make a long story even shorter they attacked the city and slew all the males in the city Jacob said you have caused me to stink among the inhabitants of the land listen God's got a way to get you back to Bethel it can be easy He can push you, pull you, or drag you, but he will get you back to Bethel. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this morning that God is calling the church back to Bethel. Because it's at Bethel is the meeting place with him. But Jacob said, "You have caused me to stink in the eyes of the people of the land. The people of the land were, were talking about attacking Jacob and destroying his family because of what they did to this city of men. Just totally annihilated the men. And I'm trying to save time. And this is when God spoke to Jacob and said, Rise up and go back to Bethel. The Bible says that Jacob looked at his family and told them to lay aside all of their false gods and all those things. And they went back to Bethel. When he got to Bethel, it was that meeting place with God. The Bible says when he got there, He built an altar to God and began to worship at Bethel. And here's the thing that I want us to see today. The altar that Jacob established at Bethel became the meeting place for him and his family. The Bible says that God began to speak to Jacob at Bethel. And God began to give covenant to Jacob and began to bless Jacob it was at Bethel where Jacob renewed his relationship with God and and as I was thinking about that I was saying God what is it that the church needs to find and discover at Bethel he said he said son the Bethel for the church is the place where I used to speak it is the place where I once ministered and once moved in my power he said but distraction and things of the world have caused people to wander around in the wilderness he said but in this hour i'm calling my church back to a place where we can meet together and come together in union and communion with the holy spirit and that i can speak to my people As I began to study about the altar and the, and the importance of this meeting place with God, I remembered the story of Solomon and how that Solomon uh, had built the temple of God. He built this magnificent structure, this temple of God, became known as Solomon's Temple a place of beauty, gold everywhere. A Beautiful structure. The Bible says that when Solomon got it all built on the day of dedication. In Second Chronicles chapter six, the Bible says that Solomon gathered the people together, and that Solomon stood on a platform above the people. It was the altar. That Solomon had had erected the Bible says that this altar was seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide and it stood up off the ground four and a half feet the Bible says that Solomon stood before this altar before all the people and he knelt down in front of the entire congregation this is in second Chronicles chapter six in verse 12, that he knelt down on this altar before all the congregation of Israel and he spread his hands out before the Lord and began to worship and began to pray. And if you read in that story, Solomon began to pray and he began to thank God for the house that he had built. But something more important than that, Solomon did. Solomon prayed and he said, God, let, let me get this first. I want to I break this thing off of you this morning. That says, well, if I don't have a need, I don't have to go to the altar. I want to just go ahead and and lay this out because I believe it's going to be important to you later on down the road. We are a Pentecostal church. No, we're not oneless. We're not apostolic. They can do their own thing. That don't concern me. But when I say we're Pentecostal, that means that we are a Spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick. We believe in raising the dead. We believe in praying for the sick. We believe that God still does miracles. We believe that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the gospel. We believe all of that. We believe in a shout every once in a while. We believe in worship that's open. We believe in allowing your emotions to follow what your spirit is dictating. We are Pentecostal. I I was raised holiness. I believe in the work of the Holy Ghost and I'm not ashamed of it. All right? So I'm glad we got that out of the way. How you doing? My name is Cornelius Phillips. That's who we are. I believe it is the power and the work of the Holy Ghost that changes and radically revolutionizes men and women's lives. You're looking at one this morning that the Holy Spirit took me, turned me upside down, shook me around a little bit, turned me right side up, set me back on my feet, full of the power and full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But I want to tell you something this morning. The moves of God that I have experienced in my life, there have been maybe one or two that have happened in my seat while I was sitting in church. But the biggest majority of the moves of God that have happened in my life have been when I got up off of my seat and I came down and I found an altar in the front of the church. There is something about the altar that the church has been missing. There is something about the altar that families have been missing. No wonder your family's fallen apart because there's not an altar in the living room of your house. Hallelujah. We've changed, we've changed the altar of God and exchanged it. For a 45-inch altar that mounts on the wall in our living room. Oh. hallelujah! And then, as if that wasn't enough, now we've exchanged the 47-inch on the wall for the three by, four, three by five in our hand. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God is saying, go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. You say, well, preacher, I watch Benny Hinn every Thursday night on my phone. Yeah, we'll call Benny up when your family starts falling apart. Nothing wrong with Benny Hinn. I love Benny Hinn. But I'm telling you, you need an altar in your life. Let me get back. Solomon stood there and he spread his hands out before the congregation. Listen, it's it's not a Pentecostal thing. And it's certainly not a Baptist or a Methodist thing. It is a God thing. When you come to the place in your life where you are not afraid and not ashamed of what somebody thinks about you when you get up before God and lift up your hands. I'm just, listen, I'm just pumping and priming and getting you ready for revival. Revival. Because there will never be revival until there's a revisitation to the altar. You will never get rid of the junk in your life until you make up your mind, I'm going to find an altar somewhere, and I'm going to crucify myself on the altar of God until he does a work in my life. I know it's a little bit weird. Somebody said, Pastor, you just need to stay on vacation." Listen, we preach this gospel, or we preach this message. It's not the gospel. Come on. Just live like you want to. Just be happy. Joy is yours. Akuna Matata. <laughs> Just worry-free. Whoever said no worry back there. That's your fault, I said that. <laughs> it's a worry-free. Everything's good. But listen, there's got to be a place, and there's got, there's got to be a place where you encounter God, Amen. and God encounters you. You cannot continue to go down the same old dirt road that you've been going down and thinking that God is going to pave it for you and make it a freeway for you if you don't find an altar. But until you find an altar, God said, I'm going to let you go until you get tired of going. And when you get tired of going, then you build an altar. Solomon stood and prayed. Yeah, he was king. But all of us are kings and priests. Solomon knelt before the whole congregation and lifted up his hands and he began to pray. But I want you to notice what he prayed. This was the dedication of the temple. He said, Lord, he said this. He said, Lord, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. He said, Lord, if If your people sin and they turn their face back toward this place and pray, forgive them. He said, Lord, he said, if if your people find themselves in the hands of their enemies because they have forgotten about you. He said, Lord, if they turn their face back to this altar, will you hear them? He didn't stop there. He said, Lord, and this is in front of the whole congregation, It was like it was like me standing here today looking down on Brother Jesse and Sister Debbie and saying, Lord, if Brother Jesse messes up, treats his wife wrong, treats her bad, and doesn't honor her, but if he turns his face back toward you, will you forgive him? He said, Lord, if there's a drought in the land, if there's a drought in the land and your people humble themselves down and turn back to this place, will you hear their prayer? He said, Lord, if there's a pestilence if there's a famine in the land. If there's a pandemic in the land. By the way, you know you got another pandemic's coming. Monkey pox. Lord. If there's, if there's a famine in the land, if there's a pandemic in the land, and your people turn their face back toward you and pray, would you hear them? <clears throat> I'm fixing clothes. close. Just, just relax. Listen. What Solomon was doing was standing before the altar of God in this magnificent temple that had just been built and was being dedicated. He stood there before this altar and said this, God, if they go all the way over here messing up or if they go all the way over there messing up, God, whatever they do, whatever they say, if they walk away from you, if they backslide, if they turn their faces toward another God, if they don't want anything to do with you, God, if they turn their face back toward this place, will you forgive them? And will you hear them? And will you heal their land? Some of you might think that God would say no. You turn your face against me and I'll turn my back on you. But the God that I'm talking about is a God of mercy and a God of love. Mm. Because in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 I think this. God said this. After you've done all your backsliding, after you've done all your adultering, after you've done all your whoring around, after you've done all your drugs, all your alcohol, all of your lying, all of your manipulating, all your cussing, all of this, and all your backsliding, and all of that, God said, if my people, if my people... Who are called by my name would humble themselves down and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways he said then then will i hear from heaven and i will come and heal your land It won't be the Republican. It won't be the Democrat. It won't be the uh, conservative. It won't be the progressive. It won't be any of them. It won't be Joe Biden. It won't be Donald Trump. But it will be when God hears from heaven, he will heal our land. So here's the thing, and I'm going to try to close. Here's the thing that I want you to get. Because some of you think, because the devil has lied to you so much, you've been beat down by society, you've been pushed down and stood on and stepped on by society, and the devil has told you that you're not worth it. You're ne- you will never get to where God wants you to be, you'll never walk in the blessing of heaven. But listen, God brought you here today to turn that thing around. I'm going to listen right now, I'm about to break the word curse off of your life. Because the devil has told you you're never good enough and you'll never be able to make it. And you'll never be able to accomplish what God says you can accomplish. But listen, that is about to be broken. Thank you, Lord. Now hear this. Why in the world did Solomon spend a whole chapter... Saying, God, if they do this, will you forgive them? If they do that, will you forgive them? If they mess up here, if they mess up there, if they do this, if they forget this, and all of that. Why? Because I believe. Just, just kind of hold on. Because I believe that Solomon was being so used by God that God was using Solomon to paint a picture to you and me today by saying this. This altar is not far, Miss Goody Two-Shoes. This altar is not for, brother, sanctified. This altar is for the broken, the messed up, the jacked up, the goofed up, the twisted up. And God was using Solomon to paint a picture for you and I that there would be an altar for us that we could find the healing no matter where we had been, no matter what we had done, no matter how bad we messed up. The altar is the place that we can find healing And restoration. Look at your neighbor and say, somebody call (laughs) 911. Psalm 91 says this, and verse 1 says this. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me say that again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. That word dwelleth means to stay. Get in the secret place of the Most High and stay there. Because it's in the secret place of the Most High that you can abide under the shadow of of the almighty Amen. Listen ladies and gentlemen <clears throat> I believe this morning and and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you if, if you don't like the altar might be a good time to take a vacation and and stay away for a few weeks because if you come, we're going to hear about the altar. Because I, 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 it is my desire, and I'm not calling you bad. I got one of the best churches in the country, hands down. No questions asked. You're a good people. <clears throat> but le- listen, you didn't get good by yourself. You got good because somebody was preaching the word to you. And you got good because you were obeying the Word of God. But I'm, I'm not going to let you slip. I'm not going to let you slide to the side or to the back. And I'm going to just tell you today that the altar that God is saying, build the altar. Repair the altar in your life. Repair the altar in your living room. Mom and Dad, it's time. Dad, it's time to gather your children together in the living room. Click the TV off. Put the phone down. About halfway through our vacation last week, I got the revelation. And all the kids started hyperventilating. I told him I said, from this time on, when we go somewhere to eat, the phones stay in the car. Brayley started shaking and quivering. <laughs> but you know what we noticed? <clears throat> We noticed that when the phones were in the car. Miss Anna, she don't let no nobody sit at her table with a phone. And ain't nobody gonna miss her food for a phone. But you know what I noticed? I noticed that when we went into a restaurant and sat down, we had conversation. They did, you know, I'm quiet and I don't never say anything. I just listen. But we had conversation. So I'm telling you today, God is saying, Build the altar. Repair the altar in your house. Gather your children around, Daddy. And say, Hey. We're about to pray. Would you stand with me, please? Brother Pat, I want you to come. Worship team, if you guys will come. Those that are going to be baptized, you can go on back and and be getting ready for baptism. but here's what I want to do this morning as we get ready for baptism I'm going to ask brother Pat if you will to, to give the invitation this morning ever how you, you see fit to do it brother Pat but I want you to think about it this morning where's the altar in your life where's the altar in your family You say, Pastor, you don't understand my situation and and I don't know your situation. But I'm telling you, every individual in this room today, you need an altar. You need a place where you can meet God. Perhaps that's what's been going wrong in your life is that there's not been an altar. I'm going to say this and then then I'm going to get ready for baptism. The book of baptism, the book of Matthew, the Bible says this. Jesus said, he said there's going to come a time when when there are going to be many that are going to say, Lord, Lord. You know, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all of that. But Jesus said, I'm going to say to them, depart from me. Because I never knew you, even though they prophesied, even though they cast out devils, and all of that. That's a hard verse for us to understand. That we can prophesy in the name of Jesus and we can cast out devils, but still not make it to heaven. And I was reading that the other day, and 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 I noticed there was one thing that was missing. They prophesied. They did some good works. They did some good service. But there was not an altar there. I believe that that the most important thing in your life is not you can use your gift to sing or you can use your gift to preach. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing in your life is to have an altar. Because it's at the altar you commune with God and you establish relationship with the Father.